And here we go. Welcome back, everyone, to the Polyfilm Bros. This is uh, Tomas here, along with... And this is Gio here. And, of course, today we have a very special guest once more. And we have Woody Yo, here with up? us. Woody, it's great. it's great to have you back on the Polyfilm Bros. Yeah. And uh, today we are going to be discussing some very special topic. Um, but before we get into that topic, we're going to... I just wanted to say, uh, Tomas, I, I saw some news uh, briefly, or some news earlier this week, fellas, that uh, there will be a star, new Star Wars animated TV show called The Bad Batch. Um, and that has to do with the clone, those, the Bad Batch clones uh, that were shown briefly in season seven of Star Wars A Clone Wars. So I think that should be uh, pretty interesting, shouldn't it? Yeah, Tomas. Yeah, I think I think it'll uh, be pretty cool. I I thought they were I thought they were pretty cool in the Clone Wars, was season seven. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It should be interesting, for sure. Do you have any thoughts on that, uh, Woody? Oh uh, well, I didn't I didn't know about it until now, but that sounds pretty cool. I I heard about the uh, I heard about the whole thing with the uh, the Clone Wars. I, didn't, I never watched the episode, but I heard about it and I thought it sounded sort of interesting. So that could be cool. All right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, now we shall get into our very extremely special topic. As in, uh, as many of you all will know, yesterday was the 12th anniversary to the release of The Dark Knight, which is considered to, um, among many the best Batman movie. It's definitely one of my favorite superhero movies. It's, and uh, today we are going to be discussing what some of our favorite parts of The Dark Knight, what what makes it, what we think makes it such an iconic film after these last twelve years. So, yeah, there's much to discuss there. Did one of y'all fellas want to um, start us off with your takeaways from The Dark Knight on what what do you think makes it so iconic? The all these years later. Mm. Well, well, I think personally, I think uh, I think the fact that they brought they brought up sort of uh, Batman uh, Batman's dark sort of brooding side after all these years, I thought that was pretty cool. They had a uh, they did they did that with the 1989 Batman with Michael Keaton, but then it just got silly. Then Batman just got silly. And you know you couldn't take it seriously. In Batman Begins, you had some of that, uh, that some of that dark, you know, brooding essence. And the same thing with uh, uh, but they had the uh, they brought it they brought it back strong in the uh, Dark Knight, and that that was the part that made it really cool. Like you know, Batman, like he just he just doesn't give a crap anymore. He's gonna drop people off buildings and you know end up breaking their legs just to get information. He just I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely really awesome in this movie. Yeah. Um, that I heard it was they were thinking of like having an R. It, it was gonna be rated R, right? For like for one scene. Um, really? Where, right, where the Joker, uh, he where he shows them, you know, the magic trick. 
where oh. he takes takes that little guy, where he takes the the guy, uh, and the pencil, and just like kills him. I don't know if he kills him, but that scene. Yeah. Apparently, it was gonna be more graphic. Yeah, I heard about that. And that would have get, uh, given it an R rating. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, yeah, I, I know it was. Well, it was really dark as it is, but yeah, I, it is. I agree with you guys. That would have just uh, that would have like really tough. Um, then they would have probably had all it be just uh, even a, more dark. But yeah, um, I think Joker in this movie really, really makes it. Mm-hmm. The uh, Heath Ledger sure. performance. Yeah. Just every scene he's in is amazing. Yeah, it, I agree. And it seems to me like The Dark Knight is that when that came out, that sort of changed the game for superhero movies, in my, uh, at least from my perspective. And it seems like, uh, you know, before, before that, they had the X-Men movies and they had Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Um, and then back in the 80s, they had, um, they had Christopher Reeve's Superman and the 90s, Michael Keaton's Batman. But the Dark Knight, and it really started, I think, with Batman Begins, where it started to be more grounded in reality. But the Dark Knight just took what Batman Begins did and just, like, ran with it. And I just, it really, it's like it's a, maybe like, like a crime movie, like a cop movie. Um, and it's, and I think just a lot of, it, they had really great characters to focus, especially the Joker. But I think even, like, Bruce Wayne, like you, yeah, Harvey Dent is really like um, I like the theme how he's uh, of him being two faced, him having his anger issues, and then by the end of the film they get the best of him. But yeah, I I just think it's like it as I said, it changed the game. It like every every other superhero movie like tried to be dark and tried to be cool and edgy because of the Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah, um, it really did, uh, like, put in it, like, uh, Man of Steel, mm-hmm. they tried to, not copy, but, like, kind of grab that feeling that the Dark Knight, um, that the Dark Knight had. Yes. Along with, I guess you could say, like, Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Kind of get a little bit of the darker vibes. And, uh, they tried doing that, they tried doing that in the past, and they massively failed, so I thought it was, a it was uh, refreshing to have like an actually good, like you know, sort of dark film. Like they tried doing that with uh, with Spider Man Three, and we all know how that turned out. So, I I think, and you know, they did they did it before with other superhero movies. Like uh, I think Dark Phoenix, they wanted to make it like a really dark uh, episode in the uh, the original X Men trilogy, and alongside X Men Two, X Men Two succeeded, but. Uh, uh yeah x-men 3 whatever that it was called dark phoenix wasn't it or the, was it yeah the last stand, stand never mind yeah 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 last stand dark phoenix was garbage but the last stand was you know it it seemed like an okay storyline and it tried to be dark it just became stupid though so it was nice and refreshing to have a uh to have a uh movie that succeeds at you know being what it wants to be Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, for sure. I know. Why? Well, I, I have. Uh, po- I have more positive thoughts on Spider-Man Three, but I I get what you're saying because because the Dark Knight really, it just 
puts you that in. is the mold that is yeah. like the standard bearer um that's a dark comic book movie it's it's uh you you can make the the stand that it is a perfect movie yeah pretty much it's like from head to foot well from um start to finish it's really paced well i think the scene structure is well and i the way it's um the way it follows the Joker's actions as, okay, what's he going to do next? But it really, it also has you focusing on like Bruce Wayne's emotions and how he's getting older. Right. Well, he wants to put away the suit and he wants to just live as normal life as possible and let, um, let the cops and let Harvey Dent take care of Joker. But yeah, that's, that's um, really I really enjoy that. And and I wanted to, um, well, fellas, I wanted to get your perspective. Like, what themes do you think really stand out in The Dark Knight? Like, what the themes um, do you, does The Dark Knight convey, would you fellas say? We can start with you, Woody. Do you... mm. Well, can you explain themes? Like what? Um, okay, I guess for hmm. so, like, would it be in the same way? Like Captain America: Civil War, I would say, really conveys how, like, uh, revenge would be a theme in that movie. But like, what would be? Yeah, I guess I. I hope I'm explaining it right. It's like. Mm. Let me think. Yeah, um, Thomas, could you do this one? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would. I guess I would say, like, in in the beginning, like around the beginning of the film, um, you have uh, Alfred, right? He he tells uh, Bruce that you you know you need to know your limits. You can't do this forever. And um, I don't I don't know if this is a theme, but but at the end, uh, you you know how Batman he he puts it up, yeah. he's done, and he's not he he can't he's not the hero that um that Gotham just, just that Gotham needs him to be right right and uh, so like he reverses it like all all of Two Face's crimes to where it's all put on um it's all put on him now and Dent is the hero uh so i guess yeah at the beginning he you know i i guess that's kind of i guess what I'm, mm-hmm. he he find, he puts the suit up and he's done and then the next time we see him he's i don't know like not crippled but he he's he's retired until he comes back again um, yeah, I don't know if that'd be a theme. Mm-hmm. Good enough. I, I, I would say so. Yeah, something like um, yeah, being um. Well, I like like the specific part where he, um, at the end they have that sonar thing where he can basically see everyone in the city, and spy on everyone. But it's um, I guess the use of power probably a theme. How he has that all that power, but it's too much for one person. So he, as soon as he 
uses it to find the Joker. He tells Lucius Fox to type in the code and it destroys it because that power is too much for um, just one man to handle. I guess that's a good thing. But yeah, um, I guess like, yeah, morals, something like that, that would be a better word for me to use. But yeah. You know, also, um, in the interrogation scene, mm-hmm. which is one of the best scenes in, like, all cinema, probably, mm-hmm. uh, where he, where the Joker, he knows that, that Batman, he's going to go for, um, he's going to go for uh, Rachel. Rachel. And he mixes the addresses up from uh, for Rachel and Harvey. So um, he tells him, he tells Batman, you know, uh, Rachel, the, the the address that Rachel is at. Um, but really, it's not. It's it's Dan, mm-hmm. and he he creates Two Face, which is like it just yeah. shows like um, how much of a genius Joker is. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. like like I said, Joker really, in my opinion, he really makes this movie. Yes, for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, that interrogation scene, um, it's, I, I know that scene was a pivotal point of the movie where he, as you said, he just, he's desperate, it's cool, he's beating on the Joker, and the Joker is just laughing, and the Joker is, uh, it's like, this is a villain that Batman really can't, it's almost like he can't beat him because he, the Joker doesn't care about feeling pain. He just wants um, everyone around him to, you know, basically, as he says in the movie, he wants the world to burn. Or Alfred says some men just want to watch the world burn. But, yeah, that's that that makes it really, like, especially first watching that movie, you know, really suspenseful. Um, And after he he's trying to save Rachel and he turns out that, no, Rachel is not the other building. And that, that that's when she dies. So, yeah, do you have any thoughts on that, uh, Woody? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I thought I thought that uh, Joker seemed sort of you know invincible, both in yeah. in uh, you know some areas, even though he was obviously you know a mortal man that was you know getting beat up in that interrogation room. He seemed like he was sort of untouchable, like nothing you could do to him could make him change you know anything that he did before you know what i mean like like you couldn't know you couldn't persuade him you couldn't physically hurt him you couldn't mentally hurt him you couldn't do anything he was sort of like his mind was like a vault and it it sort of made him see uh seem like some sort of invincible you know being and that i thought that was i thought that was really you know interesting because uh before with all the other jokers that they had they had multiple jokers before he just seemed like sort of like some dude that could be touched uh he could be touched pushed you know all that stuff he could be uh he could be beaten up and with noticeable pain uh you can take mark hamill's joker even though he was a good joker it was obvious that you know he he showed he showed fear at times he you know he seemed like he had a personality beside insane at times and uh mm-hmm. you know same thing with the uh, Cesar Romero Joker from you know the old Batman show 
It's just like they, it seemed like they they had a good touch on their characters, except they like never grasped it the right way. And I felt that's what uh, I felt Joker did it like perfectly. Uh, Heath Ledger's Joker did it perfectly with you know pure insanity, never showing fear, never showing pain. Seemed like an invincible foe. Yeah. Yeah, I I could not have put that better myself. That was very well said. You know, I never I never really thought about about that, but I guess that's part of the reason why this Joker is probably the one of the scariest villain villains mm-hmm. in all of uh all in all basically all superhero movies. Yeah. But uh yeah. Man, very well said, Woody. Very well said. Well, um one thing that I know the Joker, his. I remember back in '08 when the movie came out, and all my friends were going to the theater seeing it. And the Joker, everyone talked about him, and um, I remember that. Man, those were good times when that movie came out. But uh, I know what I something I honestly enjoy that I think complements the Joker well. I think Batman, um, seeing Bruce Wayne. Uh, you know, I go through his, um, like just seeing his introspection and seeing the way he wants, um, he wants to lead a normal life with Rachel and leave behind the Batman mantle. And basically the whole movie is, is the Joker playing these games with Gotham and, um, killing people, uh, going after cops right and left. And it seems like the whole movie is, Bruce Wayne slowly realizing that Batman is his identity, that no matter, it doesn't matter how much he tries to get away from that, that he is the hero that Gotham, you know, as, as it said, not the hero Gotham needs, but the one it deserves. And it reminds me of, um, you know, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2, um, because in Spider-Man 2, uh, Peter Parker he wants to give up his life as Spider-Man to just leave a normal life with Mary Jane, but he's called back to being Spider-Man and he has to basically sacrifice his own need, his own wants and needs for the needs of like the city itself. So I think, yeah. I thought that was a really just, he, I think Bruce Wayne has an excellent arc in that movie. Yeah. Sometime, uh, sometimes people deserve to have their faith rewarded. Right, yeah, that's a, a great line in the movie. Yeah, but uh, yeah, very just over. I mean, like everything about the movie, just all the, all the, like arcs, I guess that, that it, that um go on throughout it, are just mm-hmm. just amazing. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, Alfred, I Alfred Mike played by Michael King. That's my favorite, uh, Alfred. Is played by Michael King. Yeah, yeah, so. he, I like him. Mm-hmm. Well, another um, thing about the Dark Knight is the music score. Oh, I, I, the everything that Hans Zimmer does is amazing, and uh, one of the most uh, one of my favorite scores of his is of the Dark Knight trilogy, and. Within the Dark Knight, you're, the first thing you hear is what the Joker's theme. Yeah, and that's very—it's like it's not even music, but it's just like a yeah ringing. 
Yeah. Uh, land's pretty. It gets like the, it gets this feel that, um, like there's something really menacing mm-hmm. going on, you know? Yeah. Right. Something's lurking and that's going to cause havoc. Mm-hmm. Why well, do I, uh, I'll go ahead. And oh, look. yeah. Yeah, 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 I really, I really like uh, the Hans Zimmer score. It's sort of I felt it brought up like you know the mood of the whole, though any any time a story you know fluctuated from you know you know happy to sad or suspenseful to just you know you know the normal just normal like uh, normal scenes like in the uh, in Wayne Tower like between uh, uh, Bruce and Lucius. It seems like any time that scene fluctuated, like the music stayed with it perfectly. It never seemed like, you know, it never seemed like out of place or anything like that. It always seemed like uh, it it complemented it very well. Yes, for sure. I know it's, it definitely it was very in sync. Yeah. Yeah. It, everything had like a purpose. It was... Yeah, I was. It, I mean, of course, Hans Zimmer is a, along with Christopher Nolan, those two. Yeah, they yeah. work together. No, no, they work together like George Lucas and John Williams. But uh, man, I I know that another thing. It's the colors, just the colors and the hue of the Dark Knight. It seems like there's a lot of like orange and is. Am I right in saying there's a lot of like orange and blue? Yeah. Yeah, orange, blue, gray. Yeah, and it seems. It really sets the mood like this this is the world um and it's it's a dark it's a really dark eerie Fiery. place right um yeah and and uh, everyone that's another theme in the movie everyone is well maybe not everyone but the bad guys are bad but everyone is um everyone is scared of not just Batman, but the Joker. And I think that was really cool how, like, um, the scene you mentioned earlier, Woody, when Batman drops the mob boss from uh, the top of the building. But what didn't the mob boss say? What what was his name, I think? Maroney or something. Yeah, yeah. Maroney. Yeah, I think Maroney said to him, you know, um, we're, something like we're not afraid of you because um, this Joker he'll he has one thing that you don't and he'll um, you have your rules he doesn't have any rules and something like that and what he I think he meant by that was the Joker will kill and Batman doesn't kill so I I really found that how you know Batman comes in and the all the mafia is scared but it's the Joker, they're fearing the Joker, um, like even more. And he, um, it, just the, the fact that he, he had everyone, like the Joker was really manipulating everyone right and left. And he, and to the point where it, Batman was like no longer the top dog of Gotham. And uh, that was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, um, fellas, one thing we ha- have to talk about is the the ending, like the the last scene of the Dark Knight, like the as he's when he rides away and 
Jim Gordon gives that little speech about he's a hero, not the hero we need, the hero we deserve. What, what do you fellas think of that scene? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's amazing, of course. But uh, it's it's awesome how, oh, like how, uh, you see, da- um, oh, what's his name? Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, he knows that that Batman is the hero, right? Mm-hmm. But Batman knows that they need to, that he needs to, uh, like what, um, that Dent needs to be the hero. Dent, you know, laid down his life. He's not two faced. No one, no one can know uh, what happened. You know? Yeah. Um. And every and Gordon needs to. Pretend like, uh, like he he like Batman didn't do a thing. Like he Batman was Two Face. Everything he did was what Two Face did, right? Right. Um. And yeah, just just amazing how it ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was different. The ending was a lot different than most superhero endings. Whenever it was, yeah, yeah. Whenever it comes to a. Uh, superhero endings they're usually all like you know sort of like sunshines and rainbows and stuff like that they usually have right off into yeah yeah they always yeah stuff like that it was always it was always a nice happy ending including the end of ending of batman begins that was a pretty solid ending but this one it was very it was very depressing if you ask me and it was actually it was a great ending but it did a good job of making it like you know this 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 segment of the story has no happy ending. You have to wait for the happy ending, you know, to the next movie. And even then it's not as happy as you would expect. So I thought it was really good. You know, like, you know, it's just like, it seems like things were resolved, but it just, it kept the, you know, depression sort of like uh, in the air, if you know what I mean. Like as you have the death of Rachel Dawes, you have the death of um, Harvey Dent, Batman gets blamed for everything to protect Harvey Dent. He breaks his leg. He gets chased off uh, by police officers and dogs and stuff. And, you know, he just, it, it, it seemed like that was like, it, it seemed like it was a, a step in a different direction. And it seemed like they were sort of experimenting with, you know, a different, a different sort of ending that all that all other other superhero uh, movies never really had, and you know, comparing it to the Sam Raimi trilogy again, they had they tried to do the same thing with uh, Spider-Man Three. That but that ending was just depressing. But you know, the end of Spider-Man Three. You know, uh, Eddie Eddie gets killed. Uh, Harry gets killed. He pretty much you know, you know, slapped you know slapped uh, Mary Jane sideways and stuff and sort of sort of messed her up and stuff and at the very end you know he had the sad music playing and he walks into the bar and you know it it, it was successful as a uh, sort of depressing end because they were setting up for a fourth one but the fourth one never came so it seemed like it was a little disappointing as the ending of a trilogy but this one it it yeah. made it it made it worth something it made the uh, third one worth it if you know what i mean definitely yeah. yeah oh for sure right man that man you you've said that very very well again once again yeah it, 
the Dark Knight, that just, it did, it bridged into The Dark Knight Rises perfectly, and it was a, it, it, it took what Batman Begins did, and as I said earlier, that it just brought out the best and even better, and it's set up for The Dark Knight Rises to come and be a great film. So, man, I, for sure, and, uh, and uh, Tomas, as, as you said, the, the, as he took, he took the faults of Harvey and he took the blame for Harvey. Again, that's a bit of um, Christian imagery right there and a biblical imagery. So there's a lot of themes within that of him taking Harvey's blame and making Harvey the good guy. So, um, man, I'm telling you that movie, it just, it gets, but every time I watch it, it gets better. And, uh, I, I used to, I saw it a, a couple years ago. I first saw it about five years ago or six or seven years ago. Um, and then, and I liked it then, but the more I watch it, I enjoy it more. And it, there's just so much to it, to everything about it, the acting, the character, the themes. But I'm yeah. telling you. Well, fellas, did you have any um, any other thoughts on this movie, on The Dark Knight? Yeah, um, you know, the uh, also at the end, how uh, was it Batman who said who told who told uh, Gordon, you know, we can't let we can't let the Joker win, mm-hmm. and that you know that's the way that we're gonna do it is I take the blame, so dense image can live, you know, right. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I just you know we can't let the Joker win. Mm-hmm. We we have to have these people's faith uh, renewed or rewarded, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and also uh, like uh, what you were saying earlier, Woody, how the end, uh, like just a dark, depressing ending, but it led into uh, the Dark Knight Rises, which was like a re- rewarding um, end where everything kind of was almost resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could feel the beginning was very was very grim, mm-hmm. dark, mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of reminded me of uh, Avengers: Infinity War, how that ending very dark, like the Dark Knight, and then um, like uh, Endgame, Avengers: Endgame, how the beginning of Avengers: Endgame is also pretty dark. Mm-hmm. It all kind of kind of gets resolved. And those are also two amazing movies. Mm-hmm. Yes, but yeah, that's pretty much uh, all I have to say. It's amazing, amazing film, yes. uh, The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. It it has to be one of the best, one of the best, one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, yeah, agree. Well, one um, one thing I I wanted to bring up actually was. The, that bank teller at the beginning of the Dark Knight, oh, where yeah. so the Joker and his goons rob the bank, but that then that one bank teller takes off his his glasses, and then he um, pops out his shotgun and cranks out a few rounds, and of course he's shot by the Joker, and then the Joker um leaves him. I don't know. If, I don't know if he leaves him for dead, but uh, he leaves him and takes a school bus out of there. But that guy, he was—I always thought he was so cool. Yeah, the way he takes off his glasses. 
grabs his shotgun and just goes to town on the Joker's goons. Yeah, that was a cool yeah. scene. I, I'm, I think he probably, I think he probably died because what I think the Joker, yeah, what he, was that a smoke bomb or like a tear gas or something? Yeah, something like that. That he put in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, also yeah, one of the best, one of the best opening scenes of all time. Yes. Yeah, the robbery really gets the point across that Joker is not messing around. Right. I know. I like that opening scene. Yeah, you you get to see. All right, that's what I'll say about the opening scene. You see the Joker as his, uh, that he basically has people divided and you don't know what to expect. And these goons with the Joker mask, they're like picking each other off one by one. And then you see that he's among them and he orchestrated this nonsense. Yeah. And that's a great reveal. And then you skip to uh, what Batman and his relationship with the Gotham City Police Department and no the um imposters right yeah the imposters and yeah. right the, the imposter Batman's and uh, how me. right how that the criminals are all the mob they're afraid of Batman that's why they're like um, what do they have like they're carrying bigger guns or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. That, yeah I think that was a lie yeah and uh, meet in broad daylight right they. That's why they meet in broad daylight, and then you have the imposter Batman's, and that shows how Batman inspires he inspires people to like basically fight crime themselves. So I I think it really set up the whole movie. Yeah, it set within, up within the, the first like fifteen minutes. Yes, it definitely. It sets everything up and closes out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, like. To where you're like thinking, wow, what is what is gonna happen? Yeah, you know, the dark. What's um, how is this story gonna end? Mm-hmm. I re- I really liked uh some of the foreshadowing that they had in the movie, uh, that you know some things were said that popped up later on with uh, mm-hmm. yeah, with sort of like it's like uh the part with uh, Michael Caine and uh Bruce Wayne in the basement uh in the in the uh. That cave, wherever that was, that was under the construction site. But their con- the conversation that they had over uh, Michael Caine was like, you know, know your limits, Master Wayne. And you know, yeah. later in, on in the film, you know, you found out Batman's limits after he refused to kill, broke his leg, and you know, he he found out what his limits were later on in the movie. I thought that was I, I thought yeah. that was cool. And then I also liked uh, uh, how they were calling uh, they called. Harvey Dent, uh, Two Face. Harvey Two Face Dent, I think it was, and then you know you find out he got half of his face burned off, and it was just it was the way that they you know sort of sprinkled in sort of like the little you know foreshadowing Easter eggs in there, and I had this other one that was actually very hard to uh very hard to uh, notice, but I completely forgot. But uh, one of the other things I liked, I liked how mysterious Joker was. I thought that was a very a very good part of the movie. Like you had with the 1989 Batman, you you knew Joker's origin story. Uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker, he was like a mob boss or whatever, and you know Michael Keaton's Batman, you know kicks him into we're well, not kicks him into he just lets him drop off into a uh, 
vat of Ace Chemicals or whatever, and he just gets screwed up. And so you you already know his backstory, but when you have uh, Heath Ledger's Joker just walk in with, you know, uh, smiley face scars carved into his uh, cheeks, and, uh, you know, he keeps telling all these different stories about how he gets the carvings on his cheeks and stuff, and, you know, how they can't match any finger, fingerprints with his. It was just really cool. Like, mm-hmm. he... Like the two stories, that was uh, that was the one that part that threw me off. I was like, oh, so that's the uh, that's how he got his scars because he told the story about how his uh, dad was uh, a drunk or whatever, and he killed his mom and then you know carved his face after he watched everything. But then he told the story to Rachel Dawes, which was you know his wife, uh, his wife was really into gambling and stuff, and he carved his own face to make her feel better. So you never really is true if if any and it just it it adds a really like eerie mysteriousness to the character mm-hmm. yeah 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 I'm, I'm glad you brought up the um those scar stories i almost forgot about that but yeah that and i those were definitely some like really um dark scenes really um I, I know we use the word dark a lot, but really, like, the way he gets close to his, the people at, with those knife, with his knife, and, yeah, really eerie. That's a good word for it. And uh, I always thought it, it was weird how, yeah, no fingerprints matched. There was no DNA matched. It was, it's just bizarre. Yeah. And on it. But, yeah, that was, like, you're right. It did set up, like, a, um, it set the Joker up as just someone you almost like you don't even know if he's real it just seems so what he does is it's almost as if he has superpowers where where, because you'd um because he as we've been saying he can't be hurt or he has no he has no uh you you can't tell his dna or his fingerprints he's just like some as he says later on the in the film what happens when um, immovable or what was it? Uh, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. So he is basically like the immovable object. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. that that was really contributed to him being to him being uh, so iconic as a villain. Yeah, you know, um, he also I guess. You know, um, Batman's superpower is his mind, right? Mm-hmm. He, I mean, of course he doesn't have one, but people say, you know, his, his, his how smart he is and his his mind is his superpower. Joke, uh, the Joker outsmarted him yeah. in a lot of ways. So it's just, yeah, it's crazy how um, how this this villain, yeah, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. um, just. It, he just gets in his head, plays mind games with him. Yeah. But I mean, that's he's just he's really um, probably one of the best, if not the best, villains. Mm-hmm. Just uh, really awesome. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm. Yeah. Another thing. Another thing I liked. I liked. Uh, I thought it was cool how all the characters. Uh, within the movie, were well, most of the characters within the movie were pretty likable, which was a little surprising. 
but most of them were likable. Aside from uh, 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 Chief Loeb and uh, Rachel Dawes, besides them, everyone else was very likable. Aaron Eckhart seemed like a very uh, nice dude as he was playing uh, Harvey Dent. Uh, Bruce Wayne was likable. Even the Joker, the Joker was very like uh, likable, even though he was evil. At times, you find yourself rooting for him instead of Batman. And uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, uh, Salvatore Moroni, uh, he was he was really good. Uh, he, even though you know, yet again, you know, mob boss or whatever, he was likable and sort of funny. The Russian mob boss, you know, just every, every pretty much everyone in the movie was very likable and you felt like a sort of, you know, even though they're not a main character, you feel, you feel they're feeling in that moment. You feel the connection like, uh, dang, what's his name? Uh, the, uh, the dude from the dude from China that they're doing business with. Uh, wow. wow. I think his name was. Yeah. Uh, you, you could, you could feel the fear that he had within yourself like first moment joker walks in uh on the uh the whole meeting uh and yeah you see that he was on the t he was on the tv playing and stuff and you know joker you know talked about the whole plan practically talking about how he owned them and you know you know lao was nothing and you know you saw a a wave of fear sort of passed over lao's face and then he shut off the tv and you're like wow that guy must be feeling you know that that guy must be pretty scared at that moment, and, and even yeah. when he uh, even when Joker uh, what he uh, he blew he blew up the jail or whatever, and he went to get uh, he went to get uh, Lau at County, and you and you saw you know Lau have like you know he saw he saw Joker, and you knew he knew already, and you knew that you know Lau was dead, and you know he was mm-hmm. he set him on fire with a bunch of money, which I thought was pretty ironic since you know he spent the entire time trying to get money and you know he got set on fire by it so yeah oh yeah that's i'm glad you brought up that uh that china that part in china and yeah the whole yeah the way that lao and really all the mob bosses they know that joker is he means business Mm -hmm. and uh and then speaking of that part in china i love the way Batman jumped off that skyscraper. Oh, yeah. That was really cool. Um, yeah, it's just the thought that if you were to go back time, like in 1989, when Michael Keaton, Batman, was released and say, hey, there's in in uh, 30 years or so, or not even that long, more like 20 years, there's going to be a Batman movie that part of it takes place in China. Um and again, I don't really, I'm, I don't really read the comics, so I'm not familiar with it. But, uh, but just as far as the movies, it just seems like that. It really, the fact that it, part of it took place in another country, and it's like it was international. That was cool. And, uh, but yeah, as you said, um, not only Lao, but the other mob bosses, they were like. Uh, they, you know, they couldn't do business at night. They had to meet in the daytime. It's just, it's like everyone is, and all of Gotham, it's like, and one thing I found interesting is how people prefer Joker 
will tend to prefer Heath Ledger's Joker that, uh, over Bang, who in The Dark Knight Rises, even though Bang, honestly, Bang killed far more people than the Joker. But I think what people like about the Joker is the Joker really held, the Joker really played these mind games and he, he held um, basically all of Gotham hostage and, um, and it was, it was more of like, what do we expect today from the Joker? Is he going to kill cops? What is he going to mm-hmm. do? Whereas Bane just came out and committed terrorist attacks right and left and took over the city. It, it was a different type of like, I think the psychological thing about the Joker really made him more appealing to people. Yeah, because the Joker, Joker, the Joker made you sort of fearful. Yeah, you you feared for yeah. your life when you just you, even thinking about him because you know like the war paint. Uh, well, yeah, he had, he had like war paint, and uh, he had to like sometimes he had to solve puzzles if you wanted to save people, and just the way the way he killed people in. Uh, you know, either like, you know, some sort of, you know, elaborate trap or even just, you know, switching the uh, switching the uh, addresses on the warehouses where they're left uh, to blow up, you know, just the way he killed people. It was sort of it was terrifying and it just, you know, made you feel sort of helpless, whereas, you know, Bane, all of Bane's fear just mostly came from the fact that he had, you know, big weapons and, you know, he was very large in size. But the psychological effect and like the sort of I don't want to say saw traps because they weren't they weren't like any saw traps at all. But you know, just the sort of you know elaborate ways he killed people. Just it was just very, it was very engaging. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it it was, and that um that actually that just as you were saying that it made me think of. Um, the very end as uh, he you have those two you have the, all the prisoners board a ferry and then you have a lot of a bunch of citizens of Gotham board the ferry and then each of them have the detonator to the other um, to the bomb of the other boat and if it if it if none of them blow it by um, a certain time I forget whether it was midnight or but but whatever it was if, if none of them blow up the other boat on a certain time, then the Joker's going to blow them both. And that was a, that was almost like, okay, you know, you sort of, I, I know I did. I, every time I watch it, I sort of thought to myself, if I were on one of those boats, what would I do? But it was really, it was really interesting mind games and, uh, and just, that just seems so Joker. That seems like something that the Joker would do. And it was, um, and it, as again, it held up the suspense. It, there were the stakes were high as heck, and uh, yeah, that, that was when that one convict took the detonator and then threw it out the window. That was a really powerful scene. I thought when when they decided not to blow up the other boat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um... Something I was going to say a, a little while ago was mm-hmm. uh, how that uh, that Woody was talking talking about a little bit right. is how some of the some of the scenes did kind of like give me like saw saw trap type vibes and like mm-hmm. saw uh, they of course not not to the extent though but right. yeah it just added to 
to the Joker's intimidation factor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when he was gonna, um, when he was gonna, he put off a bounty to kill Reese. What was that guy's name? Coleman Reese, mm-hmm. who knew the identity of Batman. And he, uh, that was, I, I liked how that scene took where, um, Joker was going to blow up the hospital and, um, Bruce Wayne saved, Bruce Wayne saved Coleman Reese by just, he drove his Ferrari and then crashed and he pretended to be all unaware, like, oh yeah, I, I was just trying to run, run a red and, um, but he, he really saved the life of Coleman Reese and then he looks over at Coleman Reese and sort of nods yeah because he knows he's batman mm. but he I, I always liked how he plays like some he plays just a rich guy that's kind of dumb and yeah. full of Arrogant himself so no, that no one so no one suspects that he's batman yeah that was pretty heroic what you did <laughs> what catch a red light or something yeah like that. exactly yeah that was, that was pretty funny yeah Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess uh, anything else you fellas want to talk about? Anything on your mind? Yeah, that's all I was thinking for. Um, yeah, um, the Dark Knight. Uh, regarding the Dark Knight, I don't know if I have much more to say about it. Yeah. Oh, real? Uh, how realistic it was? Maybe. Oh, that's yeah. Um... Yeah. It did. It was. Okay, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it seemed very realistic compared to you know you know we just keep comparing it to early two thousands movies, but uh, it seemed very realistic in comparison to some of the other early two thousand superhero movies and especially the last couple uh Batman movies within the Michael uh Michael Keaton series because that that series got messy and Michael Keaton for the first two then you got Val Kilmer. For the third one, then you got George Clooney for the fourth, and things just got so silly and unrealistic that you know you just you, it, it seemed like uh, it seemed like the director you know just popped a couple tabs of acid and said uh, action. So I thought I thought it was a good you know it was a good change, especially with you know how silly the Batman films got. It was a nice change of tone because the uh, the old the uh the 1980s and 90s uh batman movies and including the uh animated show they tried to stay more true to the comics with how you know with how uh everything was in that in that world like things were more were more like cartoony and stuff even though they uh they tried to uh be dark at times it just it's it came off as cartoonish and stuff but I liked how they they normal they made Batman feel like an actual like normal force, like he he seemed like he could you know actually be like an actual vigilante, and even though it's not on topic, even though it's not on Dark Knight, uh, sort of like with Batman Begins though, Batman Begins it showed you how he got all of his equipment, all of his gear, and it really played into the fact that he was a normal he was a normal human being with you know. With you know, like not like futuristic sort of stuff. Like I guess the Tumblr sort of futuristic, but you know he got he got all of his gear from like you know old military stuff, and you know his his outfit for a while was the uh, 
was the uh, the soldier the uh, soldier outfit that was like three hundred k or something, and you know it, yeah. it made everything feel very realistic. So I thought that was a good change. Yeah, no, I I agree. I like the realism. It, it's realism done right. I think you're totally right about that. It's not just like we're gonna take uh, like it, we're just gonna make it realistic and dark because it's going to be so cool. But I think yeah. it, it really fits the character of Batman. Yeah. Cause not, not all, um, not all superheroes you can make realistic. Like, right. It works really good for Batman, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't know. Um, like if you take, I don't know who, but like some, like maybe uh Spider-Man, I mean, you, you could probably find a way to do it realistically, but, I feel like he works really good as more comicy. Yeah, more comicy. Yeah. Because um, like what Amazing Spider-Man one uh, did is they kind of tried to make it a little more on the realistic side. Yeah. And it, it wasn't bad, but I just feel like what you're saying, like um, it really worked great with Batman. Mm-hmm. And it was a, uh, and I, I do like the suit. I like, uh, you know, some people rag on the Dark Knight. The, or not the Dark Knight, but the suit that he has in Batman Begins in the Dark Knight, even though the, they acknowledge those movies are fantastic, they would say, oh, you know, the suit, Ben Affleck, ben Affleck's suit looks better. Oh, yeah. And I kind of get that. I like Ben Affleck's uh, suit, but the Dark Knight trilogy, I honestly like those suits better. I like the, uh, those, it, it just looks so tactical and sleek. Mm-hmm. And I always liked that. I always thought it was cool. Mm. You gotta give it to the Affleck suit, though. He, um, the, I mean, it looks like, it looks like, uh, um, the Dark Knight Returns comic book. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it's real big and bulky. Mm-hmm. Looks, yeah, it looks really cool. But mm-hmm. um, and then he can also move the neck, neck flexibility. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh. But yeah. Oh, another thing. Another thing I was thinking of actually was uh, it seemed like there was a lack of uh, CGI, like a major shortage of uh, uh, shortage of CGI. Because if if you look at it, there's not much to CGI in. You had some explosions. You had some. Uh, mm-hmm. You had some aerial shots that you know could or couldn't. Uh, you know, may or may not have been CGI you know, an airplane or two that could have been CGI, but it seemed like everything seemed practical and it wasn't just overloading on CGI. Because if you look at, you know, uh, early 2000s and, you know, 2010 movie, uh, superhero movies, everything just became heavy CGI. Like once you hit 2010, you, everything just was just heavy, heavy, heavy CGI. And they did that with the X-Men films, uh, they did it with uh, the Daredevil movie. It just seemed like everything was just all, you know, computer-generated images and stuff, and it made it feel unrealistic at times, and it felt sort of like it It seemed like it wasn't as engaging as using, you know, more practical, uh, practical things. And uh, that probably, I think that sort of plays into the realism of it because you don't, you don't need as many practical, uh, you don't need as many... Uh, computer-generated images and stuff for a more realistic film. So I felt it played in 
it played in very well and it just wasn't overdosing on all the CGI that, you know, uh, future, future DC and Marvel movies really played into. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, um, uh, that is, yeah, you're right. There's not as much CGI. Um, and honestly, I think doesn't you, need it. Yeah. You know, they like the whole scene where the truck flipped over that scene, they actually flipped a truck wow. over. That was not CGI, I hear. And, uh, yeah, so that, and really to think of it, yeah, there was that. I, there was the helicopter crash, like those Gotham PD had a helicopter. Oh, yeah. The Joker's goons took it out th- with their little, uh, like, um, those things. Uh, what did they call them? Yeah, those cables, they took it out. That may have been CGI. I don't know for sure, but I know that for sure the truck flip was not CGI. They actually flipped a truck, and uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. That uh, man, yeah, that really, as you said, it, it made it even more grounded in reality. And uh, yeah, well, um, fellas, did uh, I? I don't know if we had any much more to say about the dark knight but i before i did want to ask you fellas what uh if you guys would choose what is your favorite uh part of the dark knight each of you i'll start with you woody and then i'll go to tomas and then i'll give my Mm. i i would think my favorite part of the movie would either be the whole hospital yeah it'd probably be the hospital evacuation part I thought that was really cool. The whole threat of, you know, blowing up a hospital was just, you know, sort of freaky. And I thought it was, I thought it was very well done. Yeah. Oh yeah. That is that, that was definitely like skin crawling, suspenseful. And uh, that's a good pick. Um, I would, Tomas. Yeah. Um, so favorite scene yes Dang. yeah that's pretty hard because there's i mean it's there's so many good scenes in it um probably i would have to go with um either like the interrogation scene uh yeah probably the interrogation scene or um the the whole ending but probably the interrogation scene right. uh like like what he was saying earlier it gave like almost the sense that the Joker was like you can't you couldn't touch him, like he was almost invincible, um, and he really got inside the mind of uh, Batman, uh, got inside the mind of Bruce, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just probably one of the best, probably my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I know those. Um, I I would probably say. The scenes with Alfred, especially when he's saying, um, when he's saying, uh, you know, some men just want to watch the world burn. And then when Bruce, uh, after Rachel's death, Bruce is like mourning. And the color of the screen, the hue is just like, it just looks like, it looks like it wants you to feel depressed. It looks like, it, it really sets you in the mood that this is really a dark um, moment going on. And I like the scene where Bruce says, no, where um, Bruce asks Alfred, did you ever catch the guy, 
um, that guy. Um, and Alfred says, yes. And Bruce says, how did, how did you catch him? And Bruce said, we burned down the forest. And the whole point was that it, you know, to, to, to catch this evil and to, you, he really, you really got to do some bad things. And, um, I, I really liked that. I thought that was, that really encapsulated that theme of that movie of like just the fine line between good and evil. And of course the end scene, like the last half an hour and especially like the last, um, two minutes where he rides off into the night. But those would be my, my, probably my, uh, favorite scenes of the dark Knight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did, so did you fellas have any, uh, more thoughts I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys say anything regarding the dark knight uh no i i don't really have anything to say about the dark knight i think uh what about you lee um i think i think that's about it there's a few other points i could get to but they're too sort of like small and obscure to be relevant at the moment but yeah i, I thought it was i thought it was a great great movie very uh, very engaging, and it was a game changer for sure. Yeah, yeah. You can. I, I wouldn't mind if if you wanted to, if you wanted to tell those points. Oh, okay. Um. Well, one thing I thought I thought it was, it was very different. How you know, how generically Joker put some things like the way he. Uh, he was on the live the live TV when uh, Anthony uh, was it Anthony Michael Hall was interviewing Coleman Reese and Coleman Reese was talking about how he's gonna give away the identi the identity the yeah, the identity of the Batman and Joker you know just pops in like it was like you know just something to uh, check off his task list or whatever. And, you know, it was just, it was very quick. He was just like, if Coleman Reese isn't dead in 60 minutes, I'm going to blow up a hospital. Good luck. And he just, you know, he dipped. And I thought that was, I thought it was very, uh, I thought it was very different for him to treat such a delicate matter as, you know, either murdering someone or, you know, blowing up a, ho a, a hospital, you know, filled with hundreds of people. I thought it was very I thought it was very different and it sort of, you know, it sort of showed the, uh, you know, it, sh it really brought out his character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I know that is a good, that is like a frightening trait of his that, yeah, right. It's just generic. It's like just casual. He's just as if he, he's basically improvising this whole time and, uh, uh, well, that's even what he says. He's he's a dog chasing, what is it, cars? Yeah. Right. He doesn't even know what he's going to do if he catches one. And that that is like, that creates, again, for such a cre uh, horrifying dynamic. And that's really, I think, what makes like the whole movie great. Yeah. Well, is there a... Uh... Is there anything else you uh, you you were talking about? Um, yeah, I. Well, I'm glad we uh, 
reviewed the Dark Knight, or not review, but we gave that commentary. I uh, I've been looking forward to actually talking about the Dark Knight for a while. Yeah, and uh, I saw. I saw its birthday, its 12th anniversary was coming up, so I figured that'd be a great time to do the podcast. Um, and I'm I'm glad you decided to come on here, Woody. You gave, gave some great insights, and uh, you're pretty good on this. Uh, I, you're pretty good on this podcast uh, form. Th- thanks for having me on. It was it was really fun, really nice to talk about all of this. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Did you, uh, did you fellas want to go into anything else? Did you, any other thoughts on your minds, Kamas? Um, well, this this isn't about the Dark Knight, but I just recently started watching Stranger Things. Okay. Season one, I'm uh, almost done with it, and so far it's uh, very good. I like it a lot. All right. But uh, yeah, uh, Woody, do you watch? Stranger oh yeah. Things? Yeah, for sure. Well, actually, we should we should do Stranger Things next. That that'd be really cool to do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Stranger Things yeah. is great. It's actually pretty cool that you've actually you you finally gotten into it because that's like a that that's a very good show. Like you know, n- you know, many nostalgic moments and stuff. You know, throwbacks to old old eighty shows and movies and products and stuff. Yeah, it's it's very good. Yeah, I, I, I really I really like it. Uh Gio, he has not watched a, he hasn't really watched any of it yet, so Yeah, I have yet to watch it. But uh but it's definitely I definitely liked a lot. But uh yeah. No, I'll I should uh, start getting watching on that so one day we could uh, review it or... another thing I liked was uh um are you familiar with Cobra Kai? Oh yeah, the uh, the Netflix show, and not the Netflix uh, YouTube yeah, show. Uh, yeah, with uh, the uh, bringing back all the characters from Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm I saw the first two seasons. I'm a big fan of that. Um, have you have you seen that? I started the first episode. But, you know, my phone died and I was in, you know, I was in the middle of, uh, what's it called? I was on the road when I started watching it and I didn't have any signal and my phone died at like the exact same time. So I never really got yeah. around to rewatching it, but I was thinking of uh, of uh, starting it again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of it. I like the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen uh uh Geo showed me two episodes. Um and then after that you need what YouTube Right, you need bread, YouTube bread which costs or... money. But it um every now and then they it's free. So yeah. I just have I binged it while it was free. So I got my I got I got to see it, which was good. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, Woody, I don't want to keep you over time if you don't if if you uh, need a leave. Oh no, um, no, no, no! I'm good. Okay, all right. So I guess we can uh, chill out a little bit longer, oh, yeah. if you wouldn't mind. Um, so uh, movies. Uh, if fellas, you have any ideas what to um, touch upon? Woody, have uh, what have you watched lately? I may ask that you. That you'd recommend. 
Oh, um, let me think. I have recently watched. Uh, I've been recently watching through the uh, Rambo movies. Those are good. Uh, with uh, Sylvester Stallone, I'd I'd uh, recommend the uh, the first one, the first one for sure, because uh, yeah, that that one's really good. It was very different from old '80s action movies. Most '80s action movies, if you watch them, like uh, Terminator or uh, Commando, both with Arnold Schwarzenegger and all those all movies like uh, that from the '80s, they were always just like less about the story, more about like the action and you know the gore and stuff but with first blood it was actually much different it gave it made the character you know it made the character feel like an actual person and you know there was it wasn't just you know heavy violence it was more about just you know survival and stuff and i thought that was good yeah i I know I've heard a lot of good things about that movie. I, I've yet to see First Blood or any of the Rambos. Yeah. Rambo. Yeah, it's... Uh, what, what would you say you'd rate it out of 10? Oh, definitely 10 out of 10. Yeah. Nice. From just story to performances and just, you know everything it was it was very good you know you had uh stallone as the uh vietnam war veteran with uh ptsd and stuff and uh you had uh what was the name of the dude i forgot the name of the guy that that played uh uh the guy who played uh the uh officer dang i forgot his name too well uh dang his name would come to me but you know it's not the moment but uh, the guy who played uh, the uh, the sheriff was very uh, he was his cruelty and his like uh, his you know his thirst for revenge and stuff was was very was very good very well played so yeah it was just you know acting story action sequences at times just everything was great. Oh. so it's just um. Was it Brian Dennehy? Who? Oh yeah, who played Brian? The guy who played the sheriff. Oh uh, yeah, Brian yeah, Dennehy. yeah. What was the name of the sheriff though? Like the actual. Um, well, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sheriff Teasel. Okay. I always forget that name because you know who has a name like Teasel. But. Mm, right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was very. That was a very good movie. Well, yeah, I'll have to watch it sometime. I think it might. I wonder if it's on Netflix. It's on. Uh, it all the Rambo's are on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. Oh, I think I have uh, Amazon Prime. So. Wow, you have yeah. you have a lot. Wow. Yeah. So. I didn't definitely get that. Yeah. I um. We have a, uh, you know, our last podcast we had with you there. Um. You were talking about The Last Blood as your favorite of this decade. Right. Um, we have it on Amazon Prime, so we're probably gonna probably okay. gonna give it a watch. Yeah. Wow. Well, I I recommend you watch the uh you watch the uh previous Rambo's first because that's the last in the series. Okay. Yeah. That was the, that was the mistake I made. The very first Rambo I saw was Last Blood, 
So even though it was a very good movie, it sort of gave away some of the stuff from the previous movies and it didn't give me an, as much backstory as I would have liked. But I, uh, I recommend you watch the uh, other four first and then you watch the fifth. And if you watch the fifth, watch the extended version because uh, Sylvester Stallone uh, just came out with the extended uh, director's cut, I think, of the movie that he actually wanted to be in theaters. And uh, actually, it, it just, you know, got cut down for the theatrical cut and he just released it. And the and it was very good. Mm. Wow. Gee, man, that sounds. I know I always like those extended cuts. Yeah, you definitely have to look into that. Watch that. Yeah. It's got a pretty good audience score. Yeah. Eight, right, uh, 82. Uh, 82% on the audience score. Mm-hmm. And then, what, like, uh, 27 on the tomato yeah. meter. Well, can't really, can't really trust. Yeah. Right. They're more into... Yeah. The critics usually love the artsy. Mm, yeah. Artsy <laughs> stuff, you know. But, you know, they're really... They wanted to think really deeply for two hours. Yeah. Yeah, it could be like a very, very boring film, but it's very artsy, you know? Right. And it gets 100% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're Rotten Tomato critics. So you can't really trust that. But, uh, yeah. So we'll probably look into watching uh, First Blood, I guess, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll do First Blood um, maybe this week or the mm-hmm. next week. Then we'll do uh, less than the other ones. Oh, Tomas, did you have any uh, thoughts? Any, any, anything you see? Any news? Any uh, films, flicks, TV shows that you want to talk about? Speak on? Touch on? No, not really. No, I think that's about it. Okay. But yeah. What about uh, What about you, fellas? Well, for me, I would say. Uh, well, oh, as we opened up with uh, the Bad Batch, looking forward to that um, new Star Wars animated series. Um, of course, we've been looking forward to uh, the Mandalorian season two. Um, we've been looking forward to ten. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's going to be, and of course, that was directed by the master. The master, um, Christopher Nolan, who's a master at making masterpiece films, uh, such as The Dark Knight, which we just discussed. Uh, so, yeah, that should be pretty well. Should be a good movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the movies I was looking forward to was, uh, was well, they're coming out with, they're coming out with a bunch of good things, evidently. They're coming out with uh, Fast and Furious 9, they're coming out with, uh, they're coming out with uh, Samaritan, which is supposed to be a superhero movie with Sylvester Stallone, and then they have Black Adam coming out, the Batman, uh, Spiral, uh, Morbius. They have they have a lot of good stuff coming out, and I'm I'm really psyched for all that. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. Oh yeah, Fast Nine for sure. Um, and what was that? Oh, the Batman. Yeah, 
the Batman, uh, you know, that man, Tomas and I have been uh, following that, anticipating that. That should, that'll be interesting to see. I wonder if it'll um, come close to the Dark Knight. I wonder. Well, Matt Reeves, he's a, um, I think he'll be a great director for Batman. Um, yeah. If you've seen the uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes, right. uh, that, that whole, like that whole uh, movie just kind of, the dark vibe in that movie feels like it'd be perfect for a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right. I totally agree. Matt Reeves would be excellent. Oh, um, what, Woody, have you seen the uh, newer Planet of the Apes films? No, I haven't. I, I never got around to watching them. I watched the original, the original one from, I think it was the 60s when I was a little kid, and it scared me out of my mind. So I sort of, I sort of stepped away from all the, uh, from all the newer ones. So that that's on me. I should watch them though. Oh yeah. Yeah. These, uh, I know these newer ones, they're probably like scary, but in a different way. The old, the old one is more like eerie and weird. Yeah. That, that was the part that just got me. Like I was, I think I was like five or six years old. And the only parts I remember was when, uh, the uh, they just landed on Earth after all those years, and they open up one of the chambers, and the woman is like shriveled up and dead. And I thought that was really freaky. And then, uh, the, yeah, the oh. part where the uh, yeah, the part where one of the apes like took out half of uh, the dude's brain and like sewed it back up, so he was like pretty much like a lifeless zombie. So I saw when I saw that when I was young, that just that scared the heck out of me. And I just never got around to watching any of the sequels or the remakes. Yeah, yeah, I know it, I, it's it's a weird concept, but like the newer ones, I think they're actually really well made. And I'm I'm a big fan, especially the last two. That's Dawn for the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes. But uh, yeah. Well, fellas, I think uh, I'm going to be heading out. Tomas is going to be heading out. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a great great doing a podcast with you, Woody. All right, great to have you on again. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can do this again mm-hmm. pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great having you on. Well, uh, you're going to head out, Mister. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, heading out. All right. So, uh, thank you guys. May the force be with you guys. Right. May the force be with you. And, uh, Woody, we can stay on unless you need to leave. Uh, I'm only going to, I'm going to, um, close this podcast down in a couple minutes, if you don't mind. Uh, Yeah, that's cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's getting, it's getting late. All right. Yeah. Well, um, if you don't mind, I guess I can end this thing, uh, about now. Yeah. Well, Woody, as always, again, one pleasure. We had some uh, great. It was a great show. I think I I think you're really good at this. Um, pretty soon you 
you might be taking my place that uh as the head of the podcast but uh yeah once again uh it was a honor having you i had a great time uh hope to do this yeah. soon so take it was very fun thank yeah thanks a lot i, I i'm looking forward to the uh the next time that we do this all right and uh, did you have uh any anything else to say uh woody to uh to our audience or to us oh um i don't think so um i'm gonna be starting out i'm gonna be uh trying to get my my own podcast up and running pretty soon and i i still have yet to decide on the name but I'll most likely mention it in the next uh, the next appearance I have on uh, the Polyfilm Bros. So, uh, yeah, just a little update on uh, my whole uh, situation. Okay. Well, that's uh, okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll be sure. Uh, hopefully, you tell tell us next time once you get your uh, decide your name of your podcast and everything. We'll for sure send all our listeners there once you do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. thanks. Thanks a lot. All right. Great show, as always. And uh, take care, Woody. Take care, Gio. And to all our listeners, uh, we hope you had a good time listening. Um, this was great, as always. Take care of yourselves. God bless. And uh, may the force be with you always. Okay.